Welcome back, everybody, to the Pure Ambition Podcast. We took a little break. We were out of commission for a little bit, but we are back nonetheless, and I am super stoked to bring you today's episode. We are joined with my good buddy, Chris Page. Chris is the founder of It's All Day Fitness and Nutrition Coaching and the It's All Day Podcast and is currently training to become a professional soccer player in Europe. Chris shares with us his story of how he used fitness and nutrition as an outlet to deal with stress and anxiety while building confidence and how it saved him from drugs and alcohol. He also shares the It's All Day mindset and how we can use it to maximize our lives and reach our full potential. Chris talks about how we need to be dreaming massive dreams and backing that with massive action. And if we do that, we can really achieve anything we want in this life. Excited to dive into this one. Let's get to it. Chris Page, my man. Welcome to the show, brother. Appreciate your time. Dom, thanks for having me, man. I'm uh, excited to kind of dive into all of our conversations and kind of see where we go. Yeah, man. So uh, the reason I was really drawn to your page was just uh, in like your content was the way that you, you're very authentic. You don't do things for likes. You don't do things for views. You just try to bring people value. Where did your journey start of becoming a nutrition, a performance coach, a content creator, uh, all the different hats that you wear? Yeah, man. Uh, for starters, thank you. That's uh, It's cool to hear because especially in social media's day and age, being authentic and as vulnerable as you can, not for the likes and not for the views can be difficult sometimes because you'll put out stuff where you're like, man, I just gave everybody like my entire heart and soul and like 10 people maybe watched it versus, you know, somebody can put a picture of their tits and their ass and their chest or their biceps and they can get thousands of views and likes. And it's like, man, that kind of hurts a little bit. But to hear that, you know, those 10 people that do listen to it, that's, you know, kind of who I made it for. Um, but to answer your question about where this all started for me, I've been an athlete kind of my entire life. So a lot of it started with athletics. When I was really young, I played golf and soccer. Uh, fun fact, I actually have a hole in one. I got a hole in one when I was probably 12 years old. So I was pretty competitive in golf. But by the time I got to about high school, maybe like 14, 15, both of those sports take a lot of time commitment and financial commitment. And my parents were basically like, you need to pick one because we're not paying for both. Um, and soccer at the time, it was just kind of like where all my friends were. Golf is a very solo sport. You're out on the course your entire day for three to four hours. Soccer, you get to hang out with your friends. It was a little bit more popular, honestly, than golf. So when I was younger, I was like, nah, I want the popular sport a little bit more than golf. And looking back on it now, golf's really popular. So either one probably would have worked out, but Played soccer in high school, got to be a collegiate athlete at Florida Institute of Technology, a Division II school down in Melbourne Beach, Florida. So played soccer there for about five years. And a lot of you know who I am now was definitely developed during those years. I went from being the high school goalkeeper who was, you know, captain of his high school team played for multiple clubs around the area, played for teams that were, you know, I'm playing two years up. I was selected at one point to go train at the West Ham Academy, which is a professional teams academy over in England for a month when I was like 17 years old. So I kind of went from, you know, quote unquote, being the shit to my first year in soccer at college. I was the second string goalie and I was just riding the bench. And my first year I redshirted, so I didn't even get to play at all. Um, and then I didn't really play until maybe my third or fourth year in college. So going from being the shit 
to being kind of like an absolute nobody really fucked with my identity. And it was the first time my identity had ever had to deal with that much adversity because also my freshman year, the, the kids who came in in my class who were field players ended up being kind of like the superstars of my team for the next four or five years. So, you know, the first two years when I was a nobody, the kids who I was rooming with, they were, they were the everybody, you know, they were the guys that were getting pictures on the Instagram for the college soccer team. Everyone knew who they were. They were the top goal scorers, all this stuff. And I was just kind of the kid in the background who was like, who are you? I'm like, I'm the second string goalkeeper. I'm, I'm a nobody. You haven't even seen me on the field yet. You don't know anything about me. And it really fucked with me. My first year, I basically knew I wasn't going to play because I redshirted. And I had all the access to every wrong choice you could possibly make. And it was like, well, you're not going to play on Saturday. So it doesn't matter if you go out on Friday, because all you got to do is look not that hungover. And the chances of the starting goalkeeper getting hurt is really low. It's just really low. So I would drink, I would do drugs. There's no parental advice. And I didn't know how to cope with that identity loss. That was the first time I'd ever struggled with it. I just didn't know who I was because I solely identified as a collegiate goalkeeper. And when I couldn't perform that identity, I just, I didn't know who the fuck I was. So it took a lot of mistakes. I almost got a DUI my freshman year, probably should have got a DUI. If you want to hear that story, that was super funny. Um, got into a lot of trouble multiple times when I was in college, just because it was like my only way of trying to tell everybody, like I I'm hurting. And I don't know how to tell anybody I'm hurting. So I'm just going to make a bunch of mistakes and get in enough trouble to where hopefully somebody comes up to me and says, Chris, what the fuck are you doing? So then I had an excuse to tell them because back then I had no idea how to share what I was feeling inside. I didn't learn that till years later. Um, so that's kind of where it started. It's, you know, I, I can relate to you there too, in terms of like, you know, when I was a freshman, uh, you know, I kind of knew I wasn't going to play earlier in the early on in the year. Uh, but then you, you never do know, like injuries do come about in sports, like they're just a part of it. Um, but mostly like when I tore my ACL and I missed an entire year. So I mm -hmm. knew that every single day, like there was no chance I was going to get on the field because I couldn't even walk. Um, yeah. You know, honestly, like I, I did similar things, you know, I, I would go out on Friday nights, um, which led to me, you know, coming back and waking my roommates up it's like you know it's like embarrassing to to think about like looking back on but those are the things you look back on and and you you learn from them and you grow from them but um isn't it just like a weird like kind of philosophy like though like for i've seen this a lot with collegiate athletes too like when they know they're not gonna play it's like i deserve to like be able to go out on like a friday night like even if we have a game tomorrow like it's my choice um I don't know. I want to get your take on that because like, I, I also like experienced that early on in college as well. Yeah. It, uh, it's a weird one. And especially with what you just said, my first couple of years, probably one of the hardest parts was even though I did kind of go out, I didn't, you know, I wasn't going out every single day because like you said, there's always a chance that the, the starting goalkeeper does get hurt. Right. And probably the hardest part is as a second string player in any position, you're training as hard, if not harder than the starter with the hope that maybe you get the chance. And there's just this like false hope after false hope after false hope every single game. Like maybe today's the game. No, it's not. Maybe today's the game. No, it's not. Ooh, he went down. He might actually be injured. 
no, he's just wasting a little bit of time because we need to waste a little bit of time. He's fine. And like the coach still tells you to go warm up. And like after a while, dude, that just beats you down. It's like, dude, what's the point of me warming up? You know, he's going to be fucking fine. Um, and I think that's what really caused me at that point. I'd kind of been mentally broken of like, I'm prepping every single day for nothing. So what's the point of this? And then I think also just as athletes, because we've trained our entire lives to perform in a sport. And when we don't get that opportunity, and especially because we're in college and like, we're not at home and we have the opportunity for drinks and parties and it's right there on campus part of you is almost like I deserve this because for years I've sacrificed. And since I can't play like, fuck it, I'm going to go live like a normal kid and, you know, live their life the way that maybe I could have, if I wasn't an athlete. So here's my small window of opportunity to experience that. Um, but I think that's a lot of reasons why I did it was, you know, part of me, I just was beat down. But the other part was like, dude, I've never done this. You know, when I was in high school, I missed, I missed my first prom because we had, um, castle, which is a big like college ID tournament, in North Carolina. And then my second prom, me and my girlfriend had broken up literally like two weeks before it. So like both of my proms, you know, didn't really go the way I wanted it to in high school, going to college, I was heartbroken as well, you know, as I was going in. So I was heartbroken. I didn't have the chance to play. It was like the perfect storm and a bottle of whiskey and a little bit of weed was like the perfect cure-all for any of my problems for about, you know, two hours to make it go away. Um, if that answers your question. No, that does. That does answer my question. And uh, yeah, man, it's uh, it's tough. And, and we, we grow and mature as athletes. And I think, you know, not everybody deals with things the same way. Not everybody like acclimates to like the college lifestyle the same way. Um, so it's just interesting how that works, but I'm curious, how did you then evolve in, to in the later years of college and being an athlete, um, how did you kind of grow and mature um, in your time being a college athlete? Yeah, man, it was, it was honestly the end of my freshman year. It's that story of me almost getting a DUI. So it was the end of the year. It's spring season. So we're not like none of the games really matter in soccer. I mean, season fall. We still have some games, but I'm still kind of doing the same thing. You know, I know that the, the senior goalkeeper is going to be here for two more years. I'm training as hard as I can, but it's, you know, the coaches, I can tell. I'm not really getting that much of a look. And we went out one night to a frat party, got super drunk. My roommate is in my back seat, passed out. The, the back car where the, where the people's feet go is just covered in empty beer cans and four locos. The girl that he's talking to is in shotgun with me and we're driving home. She's on the girls' soccer team. And we're driving back on campus following another car in front of us. And we could turn left and we would be on campus in like two minutes or we could turn right and we would be at McDonald's in two minutes. And it's about 2 a.m. in the morning. And the people in front of me, they go to McDonald's. And I'm like, okay, well, if they're going to McDonald's, I'm going to McDonald's. And when I get drunk, I like to sing. I'm very loud. Um, I don't mind doing it. So, you know, I had all my windows down. I'm singing. I'm having a good time. And the person taking the orders at McDonald's couldn't hear my friend's car in front of me at the box because he thought I was at the box because I was being so loud. So he kept telling me to turn my music down, but I didn't hear it. So I didn't know. So they order their stuff. They pull forward. I go up. I try and get my stuff. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? Can I get like a McChicken, a McFlurry, whatever it is? He's like, dude, I'm not taking your order. And I'm like, why? Like, what the fuck? And he's like, well, I told you to turn your music down. You wouldn't do it. So I'm not taking your order. So now I start getting pissed. And I'm like, dude, it's 2 a.m. 
I just want my food. I turn my music down. Can I order now? He's like, no. And I'm like, dude, come on, bro. Like, stop being a pain in the ass. It's like, if you don't leave him, I'll call the cops. And at this time also, when I was a freshman, I had a huge ego. And anybody that tried to challenge my ego, I would immediately try to confront you. So when he was like, I'll call the cops, I was like, bro, do it. You're not going to call the cops. Are you kidding me? And he had already called the cops. And as soon as I said, do it, there was a knock on my window by an officer. And she says, hey, excuse me, sir, can you hand me that open container in your middle console? And I just cracked open a beer. And I was like, sure, you know, take it. I don't even want it. She's like, I'm gonna need you to pull over there. Give me a second. And the girl next to me, she's freaking out. She's like, we're in so much trouble. Oh my God. And for whatever reason, I was like, we're going to be fine. You know, we're two minutes away from campus. They're just going to tell us to go home. I've never had a speeding ticket on my history once. Like I'm fine. She's like, Christopher Page, we're going to need you to step out of the vehicle. And I'm like, we might not be okay. I don't know yet. So I go out, I do all the field sobriety tests, pass everything. I almost fail the first one. She makes you follow a red light with your eyes. And you know, at first I was doing it no problem, but eventually she did it for what felt like 10 minutes. It was probably two. And eventually I could feel my body kind of like starting to sway with my eyes. And I was talking to myself in my head. I go, Chris, if you fall over right now, you're going to jail. So like, I don't care how drunk you are. I don't care how you feel. You pull every ounce of energy you possibly have to look at that light with just your eyes and don't fucking fall. Um, and previously in this night, you know, I had even snorted Adderall to, to keep me up so I could drink more. Like I was doing everything possible. And honestly, that probably helped keep me a little bit awake and alert during this field sobriety test. But I pass everything. She goes back to her car. She comes back. She goes, you know, I'm going to let you off of the, uh, I'm going to let you off the hook here a little bit. You're really lucky. I'm only going to write you up for possession of alcohol under 21. Not going to give you DUI, but I'm going to call another squad car over. And if you blow, even if you're over, I'll only suspend your license for six months. If you, if you don't blow, your license is going to be suspended for a year. And I had heard every single person I know every, every time say, if you ever get pulled over by a cop when you're drinking, never blow. So I told the lady, I go, listen, you're saying, even if I'm over, it's only going to be six months. And if I don't, it's 12. She's like, yeah, I'm like, all right, cool. Call them over. So they call them over. I blow through the breathalyzer. I think the legal limit's like 0.08. And I think I blew like a 0.15 or something. So I was pretty hammered, but, you know, I had to call somebody to drive my car home, went back on campus. I knew my license was going to be suspended for six months. They give you about two weeks to try and like get all your affairs in order before that starts. So get back. I'm freaking out a little bit. Everyone's like, dude, calm down, go to bed, call your parents in the morning. Don't even worry about it. And I was like, all right, go home go to bed, wake up the next day. I'm like, all right, I got to call my parents. They're like, dude, let's just go to the beach. We'll chill for a couple hours. You'll calm down. We go back, then you'll call your parents. It'll just be easier. And I was like, all right, cool. We'll wait a couple hours, go to the beach, come back, about to call my parents. My mom sends me a text. She goes, hey, don't forget tomorrow is your dad's birthday. And I go, oh, fuck. That is the worst present I've ever given my dad in my entire life. So I can't tell him now. So I avoid telling them I spend the first week trying to drive around, figure out everything I possibly can. So I can tell them what happened and go, Hey, just so you know, I kind of already got the ball rolling. Here's everything that I've been working on. So it's a little less bad of news. Try to go everywhere I go. I need a lawyer. I can't do anything. Um, so since it's spring season, we still have spring games. We had a game that week. My dad comes to my college to watch me play. 
play the first game. We're resting while the next games are going on. He looks at me, he goes, man, you're really quiet. Is everything okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just tired. You know, it was a tough game, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, Hey, by the way, like your car looks like it needs new tires after the game. Let's go get you some new tires. And I'm like, dude, I'm not going to need tires for six months. So we go to the place, get tires. He's talking to the guy about different types of tires. He's like, well, I'm going to get you the, I'm going to get you like the low economy ones. Like you're not going to be driving that much this summer. Right. And I'm like, dude, you got no idea. You can get the cheapest tires ever. It doesn't matter. So they put the tires on while we're waiting for it. I'm like, dad, I got to talk to you outside and you're not going to like it. And he's like, no. And I'm like, definitely not. Um, so I tell him everything. And usually with my parents, my dad is the yeller and my mom's kind of like the, the quieter one. She's kind of always on my side. I'm the baby in the family. But this was the first time I told my dad some really bad news and I was expecting yelling everything. And he just went dead silent for like three, four minutes. And I was like, dad, just fucking yell at me, man. Like this is torture. And he goes, well, I'm extremely disappointed, but here's what's going to happen. I got to drive home. It's going to take about an hour and a half before I get home. You got to call your mom and you got to tell her everything. Cause I'm not going to be the one to do it. And I was like, fuck, I really wanted you to tell my mom. So call my mom. My mom, they kind of flipped roles. My mom's freaking the fuck out, bitching at me, yelling at me. I'm so disappointed. I can't believe you did this. Why, why, why? Um, felt terrible. Had to do um, Alcoholics Anonymous. Had to go to A meetings. I had to go to NA meetings for Narcotics Anonymous. I had to do 40 hours community service. I had to do a scared straight program. And my license was suspended for six months. In the beginning of that, I still had an incredibly huge ego. The, the story I told myself was, fuck the cop. This isn't even my fault. I wasn't even driving. I was in a drive-through. This is ridiculous. I came to my life suspended for six months. Went to AA meetings, still didn't get anything out of it. Community service, got nothing out of it. I went to these NA meetings. And in that room, told everybody the same story I just told you. And the guy next to me, he goes, hey, my name's whatever, Billy. Uh, I'm addicted to heroin. No, ketamine. I'm addicted to ketamine. I do K-holes every single day and I can't stop. And I remember like scooting my chair over like three or four scooches. And that was the first time I was like, Chris, you need to wake the fuck up, dude. Like you're a good kid. You're, you're good at sports. You get good grades. You've come from a good family. You should not be in a room next to Billy who's addicted to ketamine. And you got nobody else to blame except you. Like, this is your fucking fault. You're here. Nobody else is, just you. And that was when I first kind of woke up and my ego could no longer spin the story that it wasn't my fault. And once I was in those meetings, it was the first time I was like, you know what? I'm never going to see these people again. I might as well just tell them everything going on in my head. And it was kind of like my first therapy in a way. And I remember when I got done, the lady was like, you had a complete 180. You know, you sound great now. I came back the next semester. I didn't drink for that entire rest of the semester. You know, I was like, I'm done drinking. I need to prove to myself that I don't need this shit. So I didn't drink that entire semester. I just trained. I kind of got my head back on right. And by that time, that entire semester, once I did it, I knew alcohol was no longer the problem. And that's when I first really started diving into a lot of the mindset stuff, the philosophy, the self-development, all those things. Even my freshman year, the first guy I ever started listening to was Eric Thomas, the hip hop preacher. I'd be going into uh, like conditioning days. You'd see me, I had my headphones in early in the morning and all I was listening to was ET like every single morning. He was just pumping my head full of good shit. 
And by that second year, I just, I was like, dude, I'm not going out like Friday, Saturdays and Sundays. There's no point in me doing this. It's a waste of my time. And instead of going out, that's when I found CrossFit. So CrossFit for me was my way to get even fitter for soccer. And once I started CrossFit, I thought it would be no problem. I'd never done CrossFit before. I had a buddy who did it, said it was great. Went to a CrossFit gym during Christmas break. And first workout, I think the workout's called Annie. It's 50, 40, 30, 20, 10 of double unders and sit-ups. And I couldn't do double unders. I didn't know how to do it with the jumper up, so I had to do double. So it was 190, 80, 60, 40, 50, whatever the numbers are. And I got smashed by like two or three 50-year-old ladies who knew how to do double unders, and I didn't. And I was so mad that these 50-year-old ladies beat me. I was like, there's no way that you're telling me they're fitter than I am. So as soon as that happened, I was like, I'm coming back tomorrow. You'll see me here tomorrow. I'm not getting beat by those ladies again. And I went down the rabbit hole of CrossFit. I went on YouTube and I looked up basically every video possible. When I was big in CrossFit, I could tell you probably the top 20 male athletes, top 20 female athletes. I could tell you their max lifts. I could tell you where they're from, who they're sponsored by, their latest results in a contest. Like I was so in it. It was insane. And once I did that and I came back for soccer, it helped me so much for, for two really big reasons, maybe three. One was that entire Christmas break, I got to compete. And like I told you in the beginning with my identity, being able to be a competitive soccer player and my coach benching me, being in an environment where nobody could tell me, you know, you're not playing today. And everyone had the same workout. Everyone had the same weights. And there were definite metrics of either like you won and there's a scoreboard for everyone to see and nobody can take that away from you or you lost, you were in dead last and you have to accept it and it's on the board. So I love that accountability fact of CrossFit. The second was I got stronger. And once I got stronger, I got a lot more confident on the soccer field. And the third one, I just got fitter. So when we would do a lot of soccer drills, I had really good hands. I'm not the tallest kid. I'm like, you know, maybe six foot with some cleats on and those studs help give me that extra quarter inch. Um, but most goalies are like six, two, six, three, whatever it might be. And because I wasn't tall, I had to figure out other ways to be a really good goalkeeper. So I had really good feet and I had really good hands, but when I would get tired and fatigued, my feet and my hands, the technique and the skill of focusing on the ball would start to fade. But as I started doing CrossFit and I had my, like a, a better cardiovascular endurance, I could do a training session where I didn't get tired. So I could be at full focus the entire time. My hands and my feet were sharp as fuck. So CrossFit became my other sport. When my collegiate sport didn't let me compete, I was allowed to compete in CrossFit. And that gave me almost like a new identity. And I was like, yeah, I still play soccer, but if I'm not playing right now, I'm Chris Page, the CrossFit athlete. Um, and I got really engrossed with my CrossFit gym became a coach. They gave me, I was CrossFit Bieber at my gym for probably like five years. I got a nickname that I was not stoked on, but I eventually embraced it. But because I had that outlet and it wasn't alcohol and drugs, it was a positive outlet for a lot of my anger that had been going on with soccer. That's where I really started to develop the, the training, the fitness, the nutrition, the mindset, all of that stuff that allowed me to carry it over to soccer. Wow. Lot, lot to unpack there, but dude, like, appreciate you just, you know, being open and honest about your experience, um, you know, what you were able to learn from that, and then the person it turned you into. And it's cool to, to see how, 
you know, you can offset one bad habit with a good one, or like you can take one thing that's clearly not being net positive in your life and it's, it's a net negative. Um, and you can use that like personal development turned into CrossFit, turned into learning, turned into coaching for you, um, which is really cool to see. So how did you then take that once you graduated um, and then kind of bring it full circle back to where you're at right now? Yeah. So, you know, once I started doing CrossFit, that became my main thing at the time because I still wasn't really playing a ton of soccer. My fourth, fifth year, I started to finally play. At that point, I was honestly kind of done with soccer. I'd almost quit, I think, two different times. I almost played football. The football team was recruiting me to be a kicker, and I was going to do that my last year and just say, fuck soccer and fuck the coaches. Um, I was able to basically strong arm my soccer coaches my last year and tell them that the football team is going to offer me more of a scholarship than you guys are. And if you want me to stay here my last year, you better pay as much as they're going to pay. So I was able to double my scholarship my last year in soccer. Um, my coach hated me at the time, but he respected the shit out of me for it because I basically told him like, listen, you are either going to value me the way that I value myself or I'm not going to play for you. And if you don't, it's fine. I got options. And that was one of the, one of the biggest things for me that made me feel so much better compared to my first couple of years, my first couple of years with my identity being a collegiate soccer player, that's all I had by my fourth and fifth year, I was a CrossFit athlete and I was potentially a football player. So I had options if he didn't want me. And it made me feel so much more confident going into practice and talking to my coach because I could go anywhere I wanted to, and I could give two shits about him. Um, but my last two years, I had a really good time. I really stepped into kind of who I was and remembered who I was as a soccer player. Once I graduated, I had already been coaching the CrossFit gym for probably two, two-ish years. So I already had a job lined up, coached at that CrossFit gym for probably another three years post-soccer and post-college, and really loved CrossFit for what it did for me, honestly. Um, it gave me a place to, to let out a lot of my rage. It gave me a ton of my new friends. You know, I met people that no longer wanted to go out on Saturdays out to the club or out to a bar. They wanted to go to the gym Saturday morning and they wanted to go do recovery stuff Sunday afternoon. So I met a group of people that were doing a lot of net positive things in my life. And they all kind of became the majority of my friends. I really didn't hang out with a lot of soccer players. Um, so once I got done with school, I was coaching. I loved CrossFit for the time I did it, but I knew I wanted more. And at the time when I was getting done, I was like, there's no way I can make a living coaching in this CrossFit gym. You know, I get paid 15 bucks a class. I can coach, you know, maybe three classes a day because the other coaches, they need some classes to coach. I'm making maybe... $800 a month. I'm getting paid one time a month and I'm supposed to somehow make that like stretch for 30 days. It was, it was stressful. It was tough. And it was, it was me trading time for money. And I just knew eventually there just wasn't enough time. There wasn't enough time, especially for what I was getting paid that it just wouldn't work. And I went to a guy named Marcus Philly, who's a CrossFit games athlete retired at the time, went to his gym. I'd been doing his programming for about two years and loved it. It helped save my knees a ton because they were in a ton of pain. 
And I saw his model of how he'd been coaching people. And instead of doing group classes to where everyone's kind of doing a general program across what they call a GPP, general physical preparedness. And he was doing individualized programming. So he had, you know, instead of hundreds of people all doing the same workout, he had, you know, 10 to 50 people. Each of those people had specific needs. They were completely individualistic and he created programs specifically for them with nutrition protocols towards their goals because everyone's got different goals. Somebody might want to get really strong. Somebody might want to get really lean. Somebody might just want to live a long, healthy life. And when I saw that, I go, this makes a lot of sense because when I was coaching in the gym, the more I learned, the more I wanted to help individuals in my group class, but I only had an hour and I had an hour and I had 25 people and I had, you know, I had to take through a warm up, a strength session, a workout. And I maybe had like, you know, 10 minutes in there total to be able to give people some extra tidbits here and there. And somebody really needed an hour of my time and they needed to not be doing this workout and they needed to be doing something way regressed to get them to where we want them to be. But they just don't know the path. They don't know how to get there. And when I met Marcus, I was like, this is the path. This is how I can help somebody with their specific problems. This is what I want to do. And I went to my bosses at the CrossFit gym. I proposed this idea and I immediately got shut down. They were like, we are not changing our system. This is how we do it. You can do personal training if you want, but we're taking 45% or 55% of whatever you do. So you better charge people a fucking arm and a leg if you want to make any money out of it. And I could, I probably sold two people, you know, who'd be able to pay the amount of money they had to pay for me to make anything worth it to, to train them. So the system was just broken in my, there's like, I'm like, there's no way I can make money doing this. And I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to figure it out, different ideas in the gym, different personal training. Then I started doing nutrition coaching to add another layer onto it. But the gym just kept taking pieces, kept taking pieces. And once COVID hit and all the gyms shut down and nobody knew what the heck was going on, I just decided, I was like, I'm going to go online. Like I'm going to do this by myself. So I'm going to cut out the middleman to where I don't want somebody taking, you know, 55% of my profits for themselves. And I'm going to figure this out online and hired some coaches, hired some mentors to teach me a lot of the online systems that I just didn't know. I knew how to coach people. I knew how to do that super well. I had a ton of experience doing it. But if you wanted me to figure out some backend systems of how to build somebody and how to program and what software to send them to, I knew none of it. So I took that whole first year of COVID trying to figure out, you know, how do you service this type of coaching? How do, what are the systems I need? What are the, the contacts I need? Who are the mentors? And I found all those in that year to be able to now, you know, I'm going on year two, getting a little bit better of a hang of it, being able to coach people online, help them with their nutrition send them their training programs, send them video breakdowns of what they need to do for the form. They can send me videos back for me to critique them. I can pull up all of their stuff on my computer and I can send them an individualized video of me going through all of their shit and sending them that recording. So now it feels like they still get that one-on-one -on -one conversation with me without me having to be there. Because one of the biggest issues in a CrossFit gym is unless you're at the gym, like you're not making money. So I just got really burnt out from being in the gym 24 seven. Dude, man, sounds like uh, that's, that's happened a lot recently with, with people that I talk to is like, they kind of just felt stuck in, you know, kind of imprisonment to the gym or the studio or whoever else they worked with. And COVID in a lot of ways has unlocked a new 
like force of fitness, wellness, nutrition entrepreneurs. And so to hear your story uh, where, you know, you seem to be thriving and you figured out, you know, you, I mean, we're always figuring it out, but you fig- started to put some systems together where you're able to help more people. You're able to provide value and like get compensated for the value that, you know, you're bringing to people. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at your page, actually, a lot of the stuff is like, is this guy like a, he must be like a, a kinesiology, a kinesiologist or like a doctor of physical therapy or like exercise science or something. So like, where, like, where has that like curiosity come from and how do you continue to teach yourself and learn daily when, you know, I know that like running the business in itself, working with clients, all that jazz, like creating content, that is a job in and of itself. So how do you, how are you able to still learn and make time for that throughout your day as well? Um, one, thank you for that about my page. It's super dope to hear. Um, but when it comes to, to figuring out how to structure everything, a lot of my, when I first started, one of the biggest things was organization because it was very easy when I worked at a CrossFit gym to know that I was supposed to show up at five, six, and seven. And when I went there, the workout was on the board, the warm up was on the board. I was sent some notes beforehand that all I had to do is kind of read over And plus, because I would work out earlier in the day, I would be in a class where my boss was running the class. So I basically got to hear and go through a run through of what I was supposed to teach next. So because of that, I learned a ton from my boss. My boss was super knowledgeable when it came to to movements. He was a really good lifter when it came to Olympic barbell movements. Um, And I had a really good eye for it as well, because like I told you earlier, I went on such a YouTube binge of downloading knowledge when I was in college, I really didn't focus a lot on my college academics at that time. Once I got really into CrossFit and at the time, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I was a business major. I got good enough grades, but the majority of my time as an athlete, when you go, you have to bill like 20 hours in the library. And every time I'd go in there, I would like swipe my little card and I would go into a corner and I would just pop up YouTube and I would be watching every CrossFit technique video, every podcast breakdown. And as soon as I saw the lady walking around, I would just click over my screen to like some homework. And then as soon as she left, I'd click it right back over. And I would just be downloading as much stuff as I possibly could um, to learn. So I learned a lot really before I went online, which helped. But when it comes to me now, I've got certain themes per day. So Mondays for me, that's all about my clients. Mondays are client check-ins, it's client programming, it's programming for future programs for a potential client. Um, It might be some content, but not a ton. Tuesdays for me, it's all podcasting. So it's either podcasting like here where me and you were talking, maybe I'm interviewing somebody else. And then it's also just content day. So Tuesday for me, I'm going to record a podcast. I'm going to submit the show notes. And then after that, I'm going in the garage where I've got a lot of my gear and I'm recording content for the week. Because I know if I try to switch from like my analytical mind, me going over numbers, me programming people's workouts, me looking through progressions to me trying to go to my creative mind of marketing and trying to figure out how to to make a post for social media to then going to my relationship mind and me talking to my girlfriend or me trying to do something there. And then me going to a philosophy of me reading something about self-development. It's so hard to flip between those types of hats in your brain and it becomes mentally exhausting. So I've learned that giving each day a theme 
makes it a lot easier for me to focus because it's almost like one part of my brain per day. Mondays are check-ins, Tuesdays are content and podcasts, Wednesdays are outreach, Thursdays are usually like emails, and then Fridays might be like a little bit more content and review. Saturdays and Sundays I take off and Sunday like evenings is kind of just like prepping for the week. But I've given, I've, you know, when you're an entrepreneur and you're doing this shit on your own, you have to create a schedule for yourself as if you had a boss. Because if you don't, you know, the list of what an entrepreneur needs to do is a never ending list. And every time you cross something off for every one you cross off, like a new five pop up at the bottom. So if you just have a never ending list, you will beat yourself to the ground so hard and you will just work and work and work and you'll get burnt out and you'll you'll just fry your brain. And I did that when I first started. It was like, I'm going all the way. I'm training every single day. I'm working every single day. Friendships, relationships, what are those? They don't exist right now. Um, but I found the balance for me is having specific themes on each day, taking weekends off and not working all day long. So I try and cut off at about five o'clock as best as I can, because I've also found if I condense my time, I'm actually a little bit more focused to where if I tell myself I have an unlimited amount of time, I'll just procrastinate all day long. Okay. That makes sense. No, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Myself. I asked that selfishly as uh, you know, I'm, I'm still in that kind of that transition yeah, phase sure. out of, in, into, uh, into the real world, you know, working a full-time job, also working on work, doing my training, my own training and coaching as well doing the podcast and content creation, as you know, is, a, is another job in and of itself. Yeah. So something that I've, I've teetered with, and it's like, you know, there's got to be a system, right? And I really like how you dedicate a theme to each day, whereas like you wake up and you know, like your brain, like it flips a switch. It's like, okay, like I need to be locked in on right programming or yeah. like the next day creating content. I need to be locked in um, on podcasting and like how I'm going to converse with this person what questions do I want to ask him what do I want to get out of it so I really yeah. like how you do that there I'm curious so you do all these different things you've got a lot of cool stuff going you've also got the podcast which we didn't really discuss yet but um what's something that really excites you about your life your different ventures or really anything that you've got going on moving forward I think some of the biggest stuff that excites me right now is one it's kind of like my soccer journey so you know, kind of a cool story. My entire life, like I told you in the beginning of this podcast, I was a goalkeeper. And something else I didn't tell you that I actually just found out not that long ago is I have an autoimmune disease called adrenal insufficiency. So I got it maybe when I was like 10 years old. Nobody else in my family has it. It's super rare. For whatever reason, my immune system looked at my adrenal glands as a threat and it basically sent a bunch of antibodies to shut them down so they don't work. And it took some time for us to really figure out what it was. And at the time I went from the kid who had all this energy in the world to when I stood up in the morning, um, if anyone out there has like diabetes and you get low blood pressure, or if you stand up too fast and everything kind of gets all sandy and everything goes black, that would be me for about five minutes. When I first woke up, I'd have to hold onto a wall to make sure that I didn't fall over. Um, and we had no idea what it was. And because of it, I had actually just learned this a couple of weeks ago from my dad. It was part of the reason why they put me in goal because I wanted to play sports still, but my parents were really concerned that, you know, whatever the heck's going on with Chris, we don't know. 
and him running around on the field might be potentially dangerous for him. So if he's in goal, he won't run as much. So that might be a little bit safer. So I was playing as a field player when I was younger. I got switched to a goalkeeper, did really well, you know, have really good hand-eye coordination, got a lot of positive feedback from it. So that just kind of became my new path. Once I got done with college soccer and the ups and downs I went through it, I really fell out of love with soccer. Stopped playing it, went full into CrossFit. And over, probably took maybe like one to two years, I started missing it a little bit. And I still lived in the area where my college was. And there's a lot of college soccer kids in that area. So they'd always play pickup games, but pickup games use small goals. So there's no goalies. So I would just be playing on the field. And over time, I got pretty good at it. I always had good feet. I'm not too tall, so I could kind of hang. And because of CrossFit, I was in good shape, so I could run. Still was nowhere near as good as a normal field player was, but I started to get better and better. And I took this idea of me playing on the field as a new opportunity for me to learn soccer from a completely different perspective. So now when I went to go play soccer, there was no stress. I wasn't comparing me now to my previous performance as a goalkeeper because I wasn't playing goalkeeper. I went there as a workout. I was like, I'm going to run as much as I possibly can. I'm going to try and get better. And I'm going to ask every field player friend I know what I need to work on. And I would ask them every day, what should I work on? What did I do good? What did I suck at? And they would tell me little things like you did really good here. You need to learn how to check your shoulder. You need to learn how to do this. And I was like, all right, cool, cool. Let me learn it. Let me learn it. Let me learn it. And I got better and better and better. And I really thought nothing of it, but from going from a college goalkeeper to a CrossFit athlete, so to speak, I got pretty, you know, pretty solid level of mastery in CrossFit. And then last year I competed in a physique show. So I've done soccer, I've done CrossFit and then I did bodybuilding. Bodybuilding was really cool for me. It was the first time I ever got like ridiculously shredded. It was like a childhood dream of mine. Like every New Year's Eve, I told myself maybe it's shredded and I finally did it. And I was super stoked on that. I was going to do another one this year. And initially in 2021, I was prepping for the second show. But I'd still been playing soccer and really loving it. I started playing in a couple different adult leagues on the field. And some of my buddies were like, dude, you're pretty good, man. Like you, you could probably play on the field. And I was like, dude, I think I could too. But in the back of my mind, I was like, nah, like no way, dude. Like you're never going to be good enough to do that. And more and more of my friends were like, dude, like I think you got it. I actually think you're fucking good at this. Like, you know how to play on the field because as a goalie, my entire job was analyzing soccer from almost like a bird's eye view. My job as a goalie was if I could move my defenders around to where the ball never even got to me and nobody ever shot on me in one game, I had a really good game because I knew how to communicate to my defenders and block any opportunities from possibly getting to me. And when I played on the field, I played as a forward. And my job as a goalie was to analyze forwards my entire career. So I knew if I was a forward, I knew where to shoot on a goalie where he didn't want to get shot at. I knew what runs to make that defenders didn't like to track because my defenders either did or didn't track them in my career. So it's a really easy parallel for me to play forward. And once I learned the skills and once I've built an engine for it, I knew that I could train and create a body that was able to perform this task because I've proven it to myself in CrossFit. I used to never be strong. I used to, you know, I, my max squat when I did CrossFit was 417. My max deadlift was 495. Like I was strong. And then when I did bodybuilding, I trained my body to go from performance to aesthetics to an insane level where I stepped on stage. I went from, I think one 
95 to when I stepped on stage, I was 154. Like I was tiny and I was absolutely shredded to the bone, but I had proven to myself, like, all right, Chris, if you can be a goalkeeper, if you can be a CrossFit games athlete and you can be a bodybuilder through training and nutrition, who's to say that you can't train yourself to be a field player in soccer. You have the skills, you've been playing it your entire life. You need to build an engine. You need to learn how to be an endurance athlete now. Now it's a little bit different, but you know that you've done it before. If you've done it before, you can do it again. And if you do it this time, and my whole goal for this year is to kind of document the journey of me transitioning from a goalkeeper to a field player and showing people the training, the nutrition that I'm doing along the way to then eventually hopefully move to England and try and make it on a soccer team over there, you know, probably not the English Premier League, probably not the very tippy top, but there's the league below it in the championship. There was just a team that played in the FA Cup against Man United, and they had, I think, three guys on their team. One was 37, one was 35, and one was 32. So if there's 37, 35, and 32-year-olds out there still playing professional soccer in the second division in England, and I'm 26, I still got time. And I can definitely go do that because I've watched them play. And in my mind, I'm like, they're not doing anything that I couldn't do. So my goal is to train for that, to be able to play and show people that if I can do that, you can too. And if you want to be an athlete, here's everything I did to get there in a year, you know, maybe two. And I did it at 26. If you do this at 16 or 17 and you want to be a pro player when you're 21, 22, imagine where you're going to be at that age when you're fresh. You know, I went through almost 10 years, if they're 17, 10 years of mistakes, successes, failures, injuries. I know all that shit that you don't have to go through, that if you start there, you're going to be retarded good. You're going to be so good. So I'm really excited about that journey for myself. You know, even though I have the business, I've always found if I don't have a physical goal along with my business goals, it's incredibly hard for me to, to stay super motivated because I have to do something for me and I also, as a coach and as a business owner, one of my biggest things is being a leader from the front and leading by example. I hated when I played soccer. If I had a coach that was overweight and would yell at us to do sprints, like berate us to do these sprints and tell us to run faster. And I'd look at him like, dude, you couldn't run down the sideline if a fucking tiger was chasing you to save your life at all, bro. You're going two miles an hour at best. So stop fucking yelling at me. But if I had a coach who was fit and I had coaches throughout my career who were fit, who would play in little, you know, pick up small side of stuff with us and they would absolutely crush the players. Those guys respected the hell out of them. I listened to every single thing they ever said because they talked the talk, but they also walked the walk. So as a business owner, as a nutrition coach, as a fitness coach, I want to be that person for my clients to where, you know, they might be going through their own struggles, but they're like, damn, like Chris is working with me, but he's also doing his own physical goals for his own overall goals for the year. And if he's doing it while still working with me, like what excuses do I have? Cause he's got the same circumstances I do. So if we got the same circumstances and he's still getting results and I'm not something's missing within me. So that's a big thing that I'm excited about for this year. I did go through um, a little bit of a setback this last week. Um, we can definitely talk about that, but that's one of my biggest goals that I'm most excited about. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. I love how you said, like, if you could do one thing, if you could 
be a bodybuilder, if you could be an endurance athlete, if you can be a soccer player, if you could be a CrossFitter, you can really do anything. And there's so much knowledge out there. There's so much information um, that, I mean, I do think that paralyzes people sometimes because it's analysis paralysis. But if you figure out a system of like, okay, this is a goal I want, and then you can take small actionable steps to get there, then you can really teach yourself to do anything. So I love how you said that. But yeah, man, tell me a little bit about the, the injury. What's going on there? Yeah. So, you know, this was my, my goal was for all of 22 for me to get prepared, train and get ready to move next year to go to England. And as I was preparing, as I was training, I played for a couple of different leagues, but one thing I knew I needed was to get on an actual team to where I'm playing full 11 aside soccer, you know, full regulation with refs playing on the field because I've played, everything's relatively small sided. When you play in adult leagues, it's like six V six, seven V six, you get an idea of it, but it's not a full field. And I've never played on a full field as a field player, except for like maybe once or twice. So I knew I needed experience in that before I moved. So I found a team up in Jacksonville, which is about an hour and a half North of me who had a, a UPSL team, which is probably like third, fourth division in the United States. I went to their trial on Thursday um, and the big push I actually had was a teammate on my, you know, my 6v6 adult league team. He got scouted to a different team. And I, you know, I think I'm a little bit better than him, to be honest. So if he could get scouted on a team, I was like, there's no excuse for you not to. You just have to take action. You have to go fill out some forms for people to just get a look at you. So I filled out all, I filled all the forms. I had this team reach out. I went to the trial on Thursday. I was probably, you know, an hour and a half into the two hour session and I was doing great, you know, like better than I kind of expected. I, I had no idea. You know, this was the first time I went to a trout as a field player and not a goalkeeper. I'm going up against kids that are playing division one soccer, division two around the area. They've been doing this their entire life. But part of me also, the, the reason it was so relaxed was if anyone talked shit to me about anything, I'd go, dude, I've been a goalie my entire life. I just started training for this a year ago. You've been doing this since you were six years old. If you think that you can fucking upset me right now, you got nothing on me because I'm just winging it. Honestly, I'm trying my best and whatever my best is, whether it's good or not, this coach is going to give me really good feedback because my goal was to take this entire year to get ready. So if I went to this trial and he's like, dude, not ready, you know, thanks for coming out. I'd be like, no problem. Totally appreciate it. What can I do to get better? Because it'd be the exact same questions I asked my buddies when I first started training. What did you see? What can I get better at? Because that's what I was going to spend my time on. And to my surprise, I was keeping up with everybody. I was super comfortable. And I was like, dude, like, we got this. Like, I think I can actually do this. And I was super psyched, super pumped. And then we had a small sided part of the session where me and this kid, we basically collided knees. The inside of my knee got hit head on by his knee. And as soon as he hit the inside of my knee, I just got an MRI today to check the outside of my knee, my LCL. So you got a ligament that attaches from your thigh to your shin. And when you get hit on the inside of your knee, that ligament gets stretched the most. And yeah, I tore, uh, I tore my ACL and LCL and meniscus. So yeah. Okay. I, I, yeah. So I you're, you're well versed in it. Yeah. But it's probably the worst knee on knee collision I've ever had. Um, I'm not typically one to when I go down, like it's probably for a good reason. I'd prefer to be the tough guy who can get a bunch of hits and always get up. But this one leveled me, um, swelled up immediately, 
could barely kind of walk on it. The swelling's gone down, you know, it's Tuesday now. So it's been a couple of days, but got an MRI today. Should be hearing back from the doctor. If there's any crazy abnormalities, if there's a tear or not, um, if there is going to an ortho to kind of see what the next steps are. If it's just a sprain, I might have time to make it for the season. Season doesn't start until about March 12th. So I've probably got like a month, month and a couple of days. So either way, you know, it's, it's a huge bummer in one sense. Cause I was like right there um, to making it on team and being able to tell people, you know, like this was the goal, you know, we're once like step one accomplished, you know, get on a team to where now I'm playing full 11 aside games. Now this is real. I'm actually a field player. We're getting closer and closer. And as soon as we were like right there, the coach liked me a ton. They want me back as soon as I'm back and healthy. Cause they want to see more of me. As soon as it was there, it's like, that snatched right away from me. Um, so there's a huge bummer in that sense. I'm still super stoked that I was doing as good as I did because it lets me know that I am at that level and I can compete in that level. Um, if it is torn, it's probably my entire year, which is going to suck. But as much as I can look on the bright side of it, if that's the case, it just makes this story like that much better because instead of it being kind of like the perfect storm of like, I'm going to play on a, on a team and I try out and the first tryout I get there and now we're rolling. It's like, Hey, you're going to play soccer on the field. Your first tryout, you get injured. You're out for the year. Now you've got to spend this entire year rehabbing your knee, coming back stronger. Can you go through that entire year? Can you go through the adversity? Can you go through the pain? Can you go through the mental suffering of seeing yourself kind of degrade before you build yourself back up and then can you come back next year 27 even stronger and then make it because if you can do that like it just makes the story that much better and like that's dope I would prefer not to have to have that chapter in my story if I had to choose if it's there like it is and it's whatever um but either way that's kind of the injury update we have right now I'm hoping to hear more soon I'm hoping it's just a sprain I'm doing everything I possibly can to kind of get it back. I've got, you know, red light therapy, cold therapy. I've got electromagnetic frequency tools that my dad's girlfriend, who's a uh, acupuncturist, she's like all into the holistic side of things. So we're hitting it from like every angle possible to get it back as soon as we can. But with whatever comes, we're going to try our best to kind of have the best mindset we can towards it. Because if it was meant, to, if it was meant to tear and it was meant to happen, then it was meant to happen. And if it wasn't, then it wasn't. So we'll kind of see what happens next. Right. You got to control the controllables and, you know, let the rest fall into place and, you know, take everything as, uh, you know, it's supposed to happen for you and not to you. But 100%, man. Yeah, bro. I, I love that. I love the mindset you have there and just love to see how you're, you're diving in head on. And it's like, you know, you can't control the outcome, but you can control the input that you, that you do for it. So, um, you know, I love to hear that. My last question for you, bro, is what does the word ambition mean to you and how do you apply that to your daily life? So for those of you who don't know, my podcast is called the It's All Day Podcast. My coaching company is called It's All Day Coaching. And the whole idea around that brand and that name, it probably embodies a lot of ambition. Um, the, the reason I picked that name, it's funny. I actually had a client at the gym when I used to coach CrossFit, this guy worked at Publix. He was like a store manager and he worked out at 7 30 PM, the last class of the day where typically most people, they probably got off work. It's late. 
they're tired. And that class was usually a 50 50, depending on the people that showed up, it was either like a really good end of the day, or it was like, God, you just got to drag yourself through it. Cause everyone in this class has no energy and you can try as hard as you want, but you're getting nothing out of it. And this dude, Adam would show up every single day. And it was like, he was on cocaine. Like he was the most amped up energetic dude you ever saw. And every time I'm like, Adam, you ready? He's like, bro, it's all day. It's all day, bro. I got it. No problem. And like his attitude and mindset towards that would just get me so fired up hearing him. Cause like he wasn't by any means great at CrossFit. He was still relatively new and he would struggle. And at the end of it, he would end up on the floor just being like, dude, that was the like every day. He's like, that was the hardest workout I've ever done in my entire life, bro. I didn't think I was going to make it. And I was like, bro, I know you got this, bro. It's fucking all day. And he's like, you're right. You're right. It is all day. And he just kept telling it to me and kept telling it to me. One day I was like, my ex-girlfriend was actually you. It was like, you should make that your brand. And I was like, that's a great fucking idea. So for me, you know, it's all day. The ambition word. It's, it's a lot of like what we talked about today, man. It's whatever goals you want to achieve. And this is particularly why I love nutrition in general. Um, what I tell people is that if you can change your body physically through nutrition and you can see the changes in your body in the mirror and you can know that the efforts you put in over the last weeks, months, years, whatever that might be, gave you those results and you were able to make a change in your life. All of those habits, disciplines, techniques, boundaries that you needed to create, whatever it might be to achieve that physical body, every single one of those can be used to change any other aspect of your life whether it's your relationships, whether it's your mindset, whether it's your business, they're, they're applicable across the board. So if you can do it in one area and the physical body is one of the easiest ones to see the change, it's proof to you that you can do it in other areas of your life. So if you can start accumulating wins and making changes in your life, that gives you the confidence to have the ambition to believe that you can make any change in your life. And through my life, I've been, in, dude, I don't know what it is, man. It, maybe it was my parents. It might've been my mom. My mom, <laughs> I would joke. I could call her right now and be like, mom, I want to drop everything. I need to go to NASA. I want to be an astronaut. She'd be like, cool, we'll do it. If there's a space school, we'll send you there. Like, it wouldn't matter. She like, whatever I wanted to do, she's like, we're going to do it. You got this. You can do it. And because of that, I just, I've always been a massive dreamer. I like, I dream big ridiculous goals that most people are like dude that's dude it's not gonna happen like there's no way I mean, you know my first one was being a professional goalkeeper that ambition led me to becoming paid ten thousand dollars a year to go play soccer it didn't get me to being a pro soccer player but that ambition led me somewhere much greater than if by the time I got done with high school I was like I'm done you know I'm not gonna make it it was a fun ride but now I'm gonna go to college and just be a regular dude like that's a recipe for disaster in my mind. When I started doing CrossFit, it wasn't just, I want to get good at CrossFit. It was like, no, I'm going to the CrossFit games. I'm going to be the next Rich Froning, who at the time was like the shit. Yeah. And I got nowhere near that. It was incredibly difficult. And I learned that pretty soon in CrossFit. But that ambition to be that good got me to become a coach. And it got me to learn every skill in CrossFit in the pursuit of being there. And I never got there but I learned a whole lot more than if I just went to CrossFit and I was like, I want to get abs, you know, CrossFit is going to help me get there. Cause like, that's just a small goal. 
And if you have small goals, your ambition's small. And if your ambition is small, when shit hits the fan and when things get tough, and if your goal is I want abs, it's not a big enough goal to push you through the difficult times. But if your goal is I want to be a CrossFit Games athlete, when it gets hard, guess what? You watch CrossFit Games athletes suffer every single day. So it's part of the process to suffer. It makes sense that you're sore every single day. Um, me being a professional soccer player right now as a, as a field player, that's a massive fucking goal that most people would be like, Chris, at 26, who on earth do you think you can do? Like, who do you think you are to be able to do that? I'm like, I don't know, but that's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to fucking move to England and see what happens. Right. And that is going to get me a lot further than somebody just goes, yeah, I'll play, you know, 66 on Sundays because I love soccer. And, you know, maybe one day it'll get me somewhere. Like that dude's going to end up drinking beers on Saturday, on Sunday, playing soccer. He's going to get a beer belly. He's going to give up and he's just going to live a typical nine to five life. And I've just never wanted to live a typical nine to five life ever. So ambition for me, man, it's, it's everything. If you don't have ambition, you're typically hopeless. You know, people that have really low ambitions, they're the people that feel like, you know, what's the point. And when you get to what's the point, it's, it's not a good time. I've been there a couple of different times in my life. It made me go to therapy. I learned a lot from that, but ambitions like the starting point. It's like, it's the first piece of the puzzle you need to start taking action. And I feel like the best way that you can get ambition and have ambition is to dream really big fucking goals. Cause those really big goals, that's the shit that gets you out of bed in the morning. Super excited. When you got the nine to five job with no ambition, that's when you hit the snooze button like three times. And you're like, fuck Tuesday. God damn it. This sucks. You know? Yeah, dude. Those guys that are going to be playing six V six and drinking beers on Sundays, they're going to be watching you play over in uh, England. They're going to be at the pub watching you play in England. So dude, yeah. I love that. I love your mindset. I love the way that you dream big. You know, you don't let people tell you shit. Um, you dictate the life you live. So I absolutely love that about you, dude. Where can people find you if they want to check out more of your stuff? So people, you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram is, let me just double check it. I've changed it a couple of times. So it's just Chris Page. So C-H-R-P-A-P-A-G-E underscore coach. If you want to listen to the podcast, it's called the It's All Day Podcast. That's usually linked in my bio on my Instagram page. You can also find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all those things, you know, the, the headline and the title of my podcast is about fitness, nutrition, and the mentality behind what it takes to be great. So there's a lot of conversations, much like the one that me and Dom had with regards to, to people's stories, because the more that people can kind of hear stories of people overcoming adversity, one of them is going to resonate with the person listening and they're going to go, well, if he did it, I can do it. So I love sharing those types of stories. There's a lot of nutrition. There's a lot of training. There's a lot of mindset. There's some stuff about you know, psychedelics, self-development. If you kind of want to dive into that world, that's a, that's a fun little rabbit hole to go down to, but you can definitely check out those links. If you guys want to hear from more from me in any way. Well, cool, brother. I appreciate your time. That was a hell of a conversation. Looking forward to all that you do and, and watching you play on TV soon, man, make it happen. Appreciate it, Dom. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you guys so much for tuning into today's episode. If you enjoyed it, if you found value in it, please, it would mean the absolute world to me if you shared it. Spread the word of positivity, send it to a friend, a family member, a coworker, a neighbor, someone who you could think 
would benefit from it. And also give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify would also mean the absolute world. Thank you guys for tuning in and I'll see you in the next one. Peace.